what is happening here? It's bizarre and, and, and disturbing. Hey, it's our new national anthem. It is not. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in From the Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Up in Oregon on 91.7 KYAQ on the Central Coast, 106.7 Queso in Cottage Grove. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on 92.9 WLRI. In Maui, Hawaii on 88.5 KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN 94.1. In Palinville, New York on 102.9 WLPP. In Grand Rapids, Michigan on WPRR. In New Orleans on 102.3 WHIV. In Washington, D.C. on 105.5. And in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950. KTNF. We are also streaming coast to coast and around the globe. Every day on your internets, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, Detour Talk, Radio Sputnik, and many other fine affiliates, both terrestrial and streaming on the internets. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us five days a week, hopefully, for the Bradcast. Good to have you here. That... uh, that uh, that chanting at the top of the show there, you may have heard uh, shame, shame, shame. But that was the the crowd at the Senate hearing as they were being removed after as they were heckling this uh, Senate Finance Committee hearing that was pushing through the GOP tax bill. And um, protesters were being carried out of that uh, out of that hearing as the tax bill is now moving forward, has moved out of committee, is now going to head straight to the U.S. Senate floor. After Republicans who have been pretending to oppose that bill now seem to very quickly be flipping in favor of it. Republicans like Bob Corker of Tennessee, Susan Collins of Maine. And that vote on the U.S. House floor is going to be happening this week, most likely, on a supposed tax cut bill that will actually raise taxes for some 87 million Americans, low- and middle-income Americans, those people making less than $100,000 a year. This tax cut bill, for them, will be a tax-raise bill. Uh, And, uh, frankly, the less that you make, the more your taxes will go up. The bill will result in the loss of health care insurance for 13 million Americans. It will raise the deficit by one and a half trillion dollars. It will result in immediate cuts to Medicare of some 25 billion dollars. Other than that, it's fantastic. Actually, other than that, it's even worse. But the stuff above, <laughs> that should give you enough uh, to, that, to help. That's, that's plenty yeah. to start with. I okay. would think so, yeah. And that should be enough, frankly, for every American, even those who support, who voted for Donald Trump, to realize 
that this is really an extraordinary scam happening in broad daylight, an extraordinary scam on the American people. And right now, the only thing that has a chance of stopping it is the American people. If you want to call your senators, you can reach them at 202-224-3121. That's 202-224-3121, but you're going to have to work fast. That is happening. Just one of the things that is happening that is frankly being somewhat lost in the uh, in the media mayhem that is going on. It's very difficult to to stay focused on the on stuff like that that matters. Uh, but speaking of which, speaking of the stuff that matters, uh, that that laugh, that chuckle you heard <laughs> was Desi Doyen. You'll be joining us for a Green News report a little bit later today. Yes, yes, hopefully with some good news. <clears throat> yeah, well, that may be the only uh, <laughs> bright news we have today. And <laughs> as we say, when yep. it's uh, when you have to count on the Green News report for good news, you know it's not a good day. But uh, speaking of uh, green news, we will head back to coal country momentarily, where the EPA has been holding its one and only public forum on its plan to reverse Obama's clean power plan to limit carbon emissions by power plants that cause dangerous global warming. That uh, hearing was held yesterday and today in Charleston, West Virginia, because the Environmental Protection Agency chief and fossil fuel industry champion Scott Pruitt thought thought that that might be the perfect place to hold such a forum uh, smack dab in the middle of coal country. So uh, was he right? We will be joined by Emily Atkin of New Republic, who is just out of those hearings today momentarily. But let me start here on um, on another day in the once united uh, states of America that seems uh, frankly seems to feel very much like we are all living in a bus with no driver careening out of control and about to drive over the cliff. But maybe that's just me. I don't know. Uh, Starting here, a right-wing commentator who was arrested at the University of Connecticut and charged with breach of peace following an altercation on Tuesday night blamed the University of Connecticut students for being, quote, violent and disruptive. Lucianne Wintrich uh, gave a speech on Tuesday night at the school titled, quote, It's okay to be white. It was uh, repeatedly interrupted by people in the audience booing, chanting before coming to an abrupt end when a woman appeared to take paperwork paperwork off of off of his lectern uh, that he was using and uh, began to leave. And then according to cell phone videos that were posted on Twitter, Wintrich, who was a 29 year old kid, uh, ran after the woman, grabbed her. Before other members, audience members got involved, police stepped in. Uh, they arrested Wintrich for assault. They led him away. And after being released from police custody on Wednesday, uh, Wintrich went on Twitter to blast the students at UConn for interrupting what he said was a speech that focused on, quote, how the leftist media is turning Americans against each other. Oh, so it's the leftist media that's doing it. That's what he says, interrupting a speech called It's Okay to be White. Wintrich is the White House correspondent for the right-wing blog Gateway Pundit, which uh, leads me to one apology here for being from Missouri and the same place that this uh, Jim Hoft guy that runs Gateway Pundit uh, comes from. Uh, Yes, uh, the the far right, always wildly wrong, often totally fake news, wingnut conspiracy site, Gateway Pundit, 
has, yes, been granted credentials by the Trump administration for the press room. They have a White House correspondent, this guy, Lucianne Wintrich. The site advertised Wintrich's uh, talk at UConn as being about identity politics in today's culture and political landscape. Again, the talk was titled, It's Okay to be White, but you know, yeah, leftist media turning Americans against each other. UConn's College Republicans sponsored the uh, Tuesday night event, and the uh, UConn president, Susan Herbst, said uh, that it was, uh, quote, a very disappointing evening. She cited the offensive remarks by the speaker, who also, quote, appeared to aggressively grab an audience member, and the reckless vandalism that followed. We are better than this, she said. But I'm uh, a whole bunch of news items today make me wonder, are we? Are we better than this? The president of the United States shared videos on Twitter early Wednesday morning that supposedly portray Muslims committing acts of violence, images that likely uh, will fuel anti-Islam sentiments that are popular among the president's political base in the U.S., And uh, that uh, retweeting, that reposting on his Twitter site prompted the office of Britain's prime minister. This is an incredibly rare instance of harsh condemnation from uh, our close, uh, I think our closest U.S. ally. Uh, The British prime minister had to issue a statement condemning these tweets by Donald Trump. Trump retweeted these uh, video posts essentially as the Daily Beast described them ISIS snuff films. Oh, dear. On his Twitter site, uh, they, they were uh, posted initially by an ultra-nationalist far-right British party leader, woman by the name of Jada Franson, who has previously been charged in the UK with religious aggravated harassment, among other things. They were posted on the president of the United States Twitter page to some 43 million followers. And the New York Times says the videos are consistent with how Trump has approached Islam, particularly during the 2016 presidential campaign when he said Islam hates us. He called for a total and complete shutdown, as you recall, of Muslims coming into the U.S. It was unclear on Wednesday, according to the Times, whether the perpetrators in the videos were actually Muslim, uh, as Franson had suggested in her uh, retweeted posts. White House spokesman Sarah Huckabee Sanders defended Trump's tweets, saying the president was talking about the need for national security and military spending, and that's why he put these tweets up there. Whether they were real or not, Ms. Sanders said it didn't matter. The threat is real. The threat has to be talked about. Trump faced an immediate backlash, uh, particularly in Great Britain, Great Britain, uh, British commentator Piers Morgan, who I believe is a Trump supporter, if I recall. Uh, he implored Trump to, quote, stop this madness and undo your retweets. Jeremy Corbyn, the leader of the of UK's Labour Party, called on the British government to condemn Trump's sharing of these videos. And then the office of Theresa May, the British prime minister, the conservative British prime minister, said, uh, quote, it is wrong for the president to have done this. In a statement, her office said that the far right party Britain first, for which Franzen is the deputy, quote, seeks to divide communities by their use of hateful narratives that peddle lies and stoke tension. 
uh, stoke tensions. Uh, that was coming from uh, the, oh, the British Prime Minister, My goodness, Theresa a, May. A rebuke from the British yep. Prime Minister? My goodness. David Lammy, a uh, member of Parliament for the Labour Party, echoed that sentiment. So this is the Labour Party echoing the Conservative Party's prime minister here, uh, saying Trump sharing Britain first. Let that sink in. He said the president of the United States is promoting a fascist, racist, extremist hate group whose leaders have been arrested and convicted. He is no ally or friend of ours. The reaction is exactly what James Clapper, the former U.S. uh, director of national intelligence, said he feared when he saw the president's Twitter posts. Uh, Here's Clapper on CNN today. What is happening here and what do you think the consequences are? Well, I I have no idea what uh, would motivate him to to do that. Uh, To me, it's uh, it's bizarre and 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 disturbing. And I, I can't. I have no way of explaining what on earth motivated it. So it has all kinds of ripple effects, both in terms of perhaps inciting or encouraging uh, anti-Muslim violence, and as well causes, uh, I think, our friends and allies around the world to uh, wonder about uh, uh, the judgment of the President of the United States. Yeah, no kidding. You think? Franson, uh, for her part, who had posted these originally from this far right racist party, she thanked Trump for promoting her message in a uh, in a Twitter post from uh, from her group, Britain First. Uh, Donald Trump has just retweeted Britain's first uh, just retweeted Britain First's deputy leader, Jaden Franson, three times in all caps, the group wrote. Chuka Umuna, a Labor Party member of Parliament, wrote on Twitter that an invitation for Donald Trump to come to Britain for a state visit should be immediately withdrawn. The U.S. president is normalizing hatred, he he wrote. If we don't call this out, we are going down a very dangerous road. Now, again, for, for people who don't know who Britain first is, who don't understand this party, I guess this would be uh, the, the equivalent of... Trump reposting uh, three tweets from the KKK or from the American Nazi Party and saying, uh, well, you know, the the material that's on them is is what's important. Uh, They're they're highlighting an important threat. So never mind that we retweeted the Nazi Party three times. Craig Considine, a lecturer at the Department of Sociology at Rice University here in the U.S., uh, author of several books on Muslims in the West, said that Trump was essentially promoting the clash of civilizations theory that the West and Islam are incompatible. And that is an idea that both the Al-Qaeda and ISIS have been promoting to help recruit new members and to stir up hatred for years. So Trump is essentially doing ISIS a favor in posting this stuff. Doing their work for them. <clears throat> yep. Considine said he's playing on this fear. He's whipping up the fear. It is completely reckless, he said. Farhana Kira, executive director of Muslim Advocates, a national legal advocacy and educational organization that works to guarantee freedom and justice for Americans of all faiths, said in response to Trump's tweets, President Trump has made demonizing our community and an entire religion a centerpiece of his presidency. He's rolled back our rights. He's embraced hate groups and incited bigotry throughout his first year in office. The result, a country that's less safe for all of us and American Muslims in particular. 
this morning. Uh, this morning's tweets of virulently anti-Muslim, incendiary, and graphic propaganda are no surprise, but that doesn't make them any less shocking, reckless, or wrong, Kira said. As he attacks our community, we can and will expect others to follow his lead with sometimes deadly consequences. Hate crimes motivated by anti-Muslim bias are at an all-time high, and the president's words and actions further inflame the violence. Mosques have been burned and bombed. Children are bullied. Homes are vandalized and people are attacked. Our country deserves better. Uh, that was from the uh, leader of uh, Muslim advocates. But U.S. U.S. Uh, uh, Jewish groups also blasted Donald Trump's for the tweets today. Anti-Defamation League CEO Jonathan Greenblatt took to Twitter uh, with a statement saying that it is no longer alarming that Donald Trump is tweeting violent anti-Muslim videos created by far-right extremists. It is a four-alarm fire. Uh, he said, of course, this will embolden bigots in the U.S. and abroad. And he added that we have seen a clear line from uh, advocating intolerant ideas to pushing out prejudiced memes to introducing anti-immigrant and anti-Muslim policies. He said, uh, we stand with the Muslim community and with all of those condemning this shameful message. I guess it has to be repeated that. We're talking about something the president of the United States did that is being uh, condemned by our top allies, by Muslim groups, by Jewish groups, by experts uh, on the subject, academic experts on the subject. Rabbi Jonah Pesner, the director of the Religious Action Center of the Reform uh, Jewish movement uh, stated, according to Haaretz, the Israeli newspaper, that, quote, we must fight. Uh, we must fight anti-Muslim bigotry and Islamophobia, even from the most powerful, and added that we stand with our Muslim siblings. Of course, not everyone here in the U.S. Uh, was opposed to Donald Trump's tweets today. As The Hill notes, former Ku Klux Klan leader David Duke praised Donald Trump on Wednesday for sharing those videos from that far right British politician, uh, David Duke, the former, uh, what was he, the Grand Wizard, former Grand Wizard of the KKK, said Trump's retweets, Trump retweets video of crippled white kid in Europe being beaten by migrants and white people being thrown off a roof and then beaten to death. He's condemned for showing us what the fake news media won't. Thank God for Trump. That's why we love him, said the former Grand Wizard of the KKK about Donald Trump today. Duke, of course, uh, endorsed Trump in the 2016 presidential race. He's offered praise for the president. He thanked Donald Trump for his honesty and courage after Trump blamed violence at a white nationalist rally in Charlottesville, Virginia, not long ago, where a protester was murdered by one of the white nationalists. Uh, he had uh, thanked Trump for his honesty and courage uh, for calling out the, quote, alt-left there. So uh, Trump continues to shore up his KKK and Nazi base, at least. There's that. Uh, you know, I just I have to say uh, all of this has made me uh, I am embarrassed. I am embarrassed for our country. I find this with everything else that's going on remarkably dispiriting. Uh, and, and frankly, I just refuse to believe that this is who we are. 
Yeah, there are people in this country like Donald Trump. Uh, there are many who share his his hatred, his ignorance, his bigotry. Um, but I know that we, you know, we have listeners around the world. So I would like you all very much to know that this is not who the U.S. is. At least I don't think. I believe that this will change. I believe that this will stop. Uh, but clearly, it's uh, it's going to take a lot of time at this point. It's going to take a lot of time. It's going to take a lot of work. And uh, I don't know how uh, how to send the message out to to the world uh, that this is not who we are when the president of the United States um, is, is doing this, is, is tweeting this sort of stuff out um, to his 43, 45 million followers, whatever it is. And getting the rest of our allies to all talk about this. And it definitely distracts from his legislative agenda. But I think I think he's got a broader agenda at work. I think he would like to distract from his legislative agenda. I mean, it has been a failure of an agenda so far. Right now, the only thing they have going for them is pushing this tax, pushing these tax cuts through, which are also wildly unpopular. Nobody likes them. I think it's like a 25 percent popularity or some such, according to the last poll. So no wonder he does not want people to notice that. Uh, so, yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm embarrassed by it. Um, but, you know, uh, we got to take a break here, maybe take a shower here. Uh, speaking of uh, deadly, dangerous stuff being caused by the president of the United States and, and I guess uh, make, speaking of making apologies to the world for what the U.S. is now doing. Hey, sorry, rest of the world about that whole ruining the climate and endangering life on this planet as we know it thing. Sorry about that. Let's take a quick break, quick shower, and we'll head back down to coal country next on the broadcast where the so-called Environmental Protection Agency is holding hearings this week to justify their push for the use of more dirty coal. Emily Atkin joins us next from West Virginia. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away. Hey, this is Brad. Remember me, the guy who was warning you about Donald Trump from the day he entered the race, when the rest of the U.S. media were telling you his candidacy was a joke, that he'd never win, and that Hillary Clinton had it in the bag. We told you otherwise from the beginning and up until Election Day. Well, we may have been right, but we still don't have corporate or foundational support. We still rely on you to stay on your public airwaves. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate to support the work that Desi Doyen and I do every day. This country ain't going to save itself, but we can all do it together. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thank you. Cold is West Virginia. Cold is me and you. Cold is West Virginia. we got a job. Coal is energy. Coal is energy. We need energy. We need energy. Oh, brother. Coal is West Virginia. Yes, it certainly is. That from the West Virginia Coal Association. Welcome back to the broadcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Well, um, after more than four decades as a coal miner, 
72-year-old Stanley Sturgill ambled into an ornate room at West Virginia's state capitol on Tuesday this week to deliver a stark message to the Trump administration. Climate change is real, and continuing to burn the dirty fossil fuels hurts future generations. Sturgill, who says he suffers from black lung disease, according to the Associated Press, wanted the Obama-era clean power plan upheld for his three grandchildren and three great-grandchildren. He and his wife drove several hours from Lynch, Kentucky, to speak at the EPA-sponsored forum in West Virginia because, as he said, quote, we may be old, but we still love living. Now, to be realistic, he added, do I really think that the administration cares what this old, worn coal miner has to say? Sturgill asked. Uh, conceding that his pro-environment views were not popular back in his hometown in Kentucky coal country. He said, I don't know. I really doubt it. But I had to be here as long as I can draw a breath. I'm going to keep working to fight climate change and protect the land and country I love. The retired miner uh, was one of scores who signed up to speak both for and against the clean power plan. And he said that the EPA under the Trump administration was protecting fossil fuel industry profits at the expense of the environment and the health of Americans who have to uh, who have to breathe polluted air before he then went on to recount the Native American proverb during his remarks, quote, when the last tree is cut down, the last fish eaten and the last stream poisoned. Only then will you realize you cannot eat money. President Obama's landmark 2014 clean power plan was the first ever regulation meant to limit the greenhouse gas emissions from power plants that caused dangerous global warming. It was grounded in a 2007 U.S. Supreme Court ruling finding that the Environmental Protection Agency, the EPA, is required by the 1970 Clean Air Act to regulate carbon dioxide as a pollutant. In 2015, however... 27 mostly Republican-led states sued to block implementation of that clean power plan, arguing that the EPA had overstepped its authority and the rule was temporarily stayed by the U.S. Supreme Court pending litigation in lower courts. The clean power plan was a crucial bargaining chip that convinced China and other developing nations to sign on to the U.N. Paris Climate Agreement. President Trump has, of course, announced his intent to withdraw from that global accord. And he's now moving to destroy the clean power plan altogether along with it. In October, Scott Pruitt, Trump's EPA administrator, a longtime friend of the fossil fuel industry, who as Oklahoma's attorney general literally was caught copying and pasting industry statements into his official letterhead and then sending them off to Obama's EPA. In October, Pruitt, as the new anti-EPA EPA chief, announced that the Trump administration would rewrite and repeal the clean power plan altogether. The U.S. coal industry, which has been in global decline for decades thanks to the competition from cheaper and cleaner natural gas and renewable energy, they cheered the move, of course. As part of the regulatory process for repealing Obama's rule, this week the Trump EPA held its one and only public hearing on the clean power plan in Charleston, West Virginia, the heart of coal country, 
where that former miner with black lung disease, Stanley Sturgill, uh, offered his testimony to the EPA. But, of course, he was not alone. Scores of others testified as well, including Robert Murray, owner of the nation's largest coal company and a fervent climate science denier. He attended the hearing along with about a dozen or so of his coal mine employees dressed in their full coal mining regalia, including hard hats, for what Emily Atkin, an environment reporter at the New Republic, described as a, quote, farce of a public hearing over the past two days. She was there for both days of the hearings, which just wrapped up, and she joins us now still in West Virginia to describe the farcical forum. Emily Atkin, welcome to the broadcast. Uh, thank you for having me. <laughs> Glad to uh, have you here. Uh, i got lots to ask you about on this uh, as far as what went on at these hearings, but let me start here, Emily. Before the EPA forum, you wrote at New Republic that the reason that Scott Pruitt, the EPA administrator, chose Charleston for the hearings was because he said he wanted to, quote, hear from those most impacted by the clean power plan. Uh, but I've been hearing from from you and from other folks that there were a lot of anti-coal pro-environment folks who turned out for this forum and Many in Charleston itself, as, as you note in, uh, in your story, uh, have good cause to not be so crazy about the coal industry. So how did Pruitt's choice of Charleston for all of this work out, Emily Atkin? I mean, I think it worked out great for him, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Yes, there were a ton of pro-environment voices, national environmental groups shipped their people out here, as well as, as I said in my mm -hmm. sort of preview piece uh, for this hearing, there are a bunch of local... Appalachian-based environmental interests and groups, and Charleston itself is a little more liberal than the rest of West Virginia, just because it is a bigger city at the state capital. But I, I think that it worked out smashingly for Scott Pruitt, to be honest, because the way that they organized this hearing uh, on Tuesday was that they had three separate rooms that were all different hearings. It was mm -hmm. the same hearing, but it was all different rooms, all spread out across the capital, right? Right. And in the main hearing room, that's the one where the schedule was West Virginia Attorney, the West Virginia Attorney General, the Republican who led the Clean Power Plan lawsuit. Mm -hmm. He was first, right? Mm -hmm. And then a representative for a Republican congressman from West Virginia spoke. Then there were two, uh, two environmentalists that spoke, and then Bob Murray. And that's where all the cameras were. There were only cameras in live streams and cameras in that one room, right? And Bob Murray got there early. All the coal miners that he asked to volunteer to, to come dressed in full garb, they were all sitting there. I mean, it looked like, for, for what went out to the public, mm -hmm. which is what I think this was mostly for, uh, I think it looked like a big pro-industry event when, and then, you know, when people stopped paying attention to it after noon, mm -hmm. that's when all the, you know, pro-environment people were speaking. And today, actually, uh, today's hearing was mostly pro-environment people speaking against the Clean Power Plan. But but that's not going to get 
that's not going to get as covered. Not not going to get as much of the, of the coverage as the first day and three different rooms, only one of them live streaming, the one with the uh, with the pro call message, I guess. And it was all at the same time, so no one could possibly be in all three rooms at the same time to, to hear all of the testimony? I mean, I tried to split myself into three <laughs> uh, to get to all three, but I couldn't. And also, I mean, they're really far apart. Like You have to have comfortable shoes to... The West Virginia State Capitol Complex is, is big. So, you know, one was at one end of the complex, one was at the other end of the complex. Yeah. Um, was yeah. <laughs> was was Scott Pruitt at any of those three hearings? Because my understanding was he didn't even show up on the first day. No. No. I mean, to my understanding, he was not, he was not here. I didn't see him. Um, mostly Region 3 employees and some uh, headquarter employees uh, were, the people, were the people who were here. Um, Region Region three. What is Region three? Oh, Region three. Sorry, Region okay. three. Region three is um, sort of the area. There is regional EPA offices, right? Gotcha. You know, Region two covers New York and Puerto mm-hmm. Rico, and then Region three covers Pennsylvania and mm-hmm. West Virginia, and so it's sort of like the state based. The, the people who know the most about the area. I gotcha. And so Pruitt didn't bother to show up. Um, how does that, actually, before I ask you that, you, you had mentioned in your preview article that there were other places, uh, contrary to Pruitt's statement that uh, he wanted to hear from the people who were most impacted, despite not showing up to hear from them. But uh, you, you said that there are other parts of the country, uh, like Illinois and Texas, uh, who are, where there are people who are far more impacted by the clean power plan. Why is that? That's not exactly coal country. Uh, why are they more uh, impacted, as you see it? Well, at least just as impacted as a coal miner, right? Of course, the clean power plan is going to affect coal country, right? It's a regulation on the coal industry, and coal workers are going to be affected if you're going to do public hearings. Mm-hmm certainly have one in, in West Virginia where people are going to be affected. But are they the most affected? I don't know. They're at least as equally affected as communities that live, that surround emitting coal plants, uh, communities that surround um, coal ash pits that mm-hmm. that hold coal waste. It's, it's toxic waste, and that can seep into the groundwater and into the water systems. The Clean Power Plan is not a you know, traditional smog regulation. It's not a traditional water pollution regulation. It's a climate regulation. But in regulating carbon dioxide, you make the coal plant burn cleaner, obviously, so that it emits less carbon. Mm-hmm. And thus, there are there are positive pollution effects, right? right? The coal plant that might be emitting a lot of sulfur dioxide will stop emitting that much sulfur dioxide if, in fact, they have to stop emitting carbon. Um, a coal plant will create less waste if it's if it's burning cleaner, and so the communities that live, that the fence line communities that live near producing plants, which often are disproportionately low income and minority communities, uh, those aren't based in West Virginia, and I would argue that they're just as impacted by the clean power plan as a coal miner, and yet we we don't have any scheduled public hearings. The EPA doesn't have any scheduled public hearings in any of those areas. Yeah, yeah. You can you can get a new job. You can't necessarily get a, a new life if you're killed by uh, by some of these power plants. You spoke to the uh, to the crazy head of Murray Energy, uh, Bob Murray, a, a huge climate science denier, big backer of Donald Trump, CEO of the nation's 
largest privately owned coal company about all of his workers who were there. And as a matter of fact, you're right. I think we've got some. Do we have uh, we got just a, a second or two of his testimony? Because you're right, Emily Atkin, we we're having trouble finding uh, audio from the testimony. But sure enough, we were able to find. Uh, well, here's a few seconds from from Robert Murray. But unless this clean power plant is repealed, this will force many of these coal-fired power plants to close. Many more will close, which would destroy the jobs and the family livelihoods for thousands of coal mining families. Now, uh, he claimed that uh, that this will shut down coal uh, coal plants, uh, that uh, Obama, you know, was running a war on coal. They were all celebrating that the war on coal is over, I guess, this week. Um, and that uh, you had asked him about his workers who were there and if he asked them to come or if he or if he paid them to come. Is that correct? That's true. I mean, I didn't ask him if he paid them to come, but I did ask if he had if he had asked his workers to come just because Bob Murray has a history of sort of pressuring or mm-hmm. asking his workers to donate to his political causes, to attend fundraisers, um, to go to rallies, things like that. There's there's a history there, so I wanted to know if he had if he had asked his workers to come dress if he had orchestrated this basically, and he told me, of course not. You know, I didn't ask them to come. Nobody asked them to come. They came on their own uh, accord because their lives are being ruined. And and then I spoke to one of the miners. Obviously, I wanted to check and see if that was correct. Right. And the miner said, "Oh yeah, uh, Bob Murray asked for volunteers to come, so we're volunteers." <laughs> I mean, they, they wanted to come, right? you know, that they they support their boss and, the, and they don't like the clean power plan. But it was just it was one of those things where, where I was like, why even why even not tell me the truth about that? Right. I, I know. Uh, well, because that's Bob Murray. He doesn't seem to tell the truth about much. And they're and they're the uh, coal miners were sitting there in the hearing room, uh, according to the pictures that I saw with their hard hats on with their uniforms and. I guess, by the way, you didn't ask them, but they must have been paid because they had to take the day off to be there. So either they lost money to be there, um, you know, or he paid them the day's wages anyway before telling them. They, they were paid. They, yeah. I mean, they they weren't paid specifically for, you know, they weren't given extra money. Right. But I did ask, I did ask uh, the miners about this. They're salaried employees. Mm-hmm. So they get paid, in their, in their own words, they get paid whether or not they're at work or not. Um, they got a day off. They got paid just like you would get a day off mm-hmm. if you took a vacation day or a sick day or something like that. Um, I don't know if they had to do that, but yes, they they were all paid. And and you uh, said that their lives that he you said that he said their lives have been destroyed. Well, how are their lives mm-hmm. destroyed? They actually have jobs. Apparently, they're still working. Unclear how their lives have been destroyed. Actually, well, I didn't get into much of it with them to mm-hmm. describe. You know the miners because. Um, there was somebody with Murray Energy there who was trying to get me to not talk to them. A lot of them didn't want to talk, and then uh, someone from Murray Energy asked me who I was with. I said, the New Republic. Uh, he said, I think we're good. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I kept I kept trying to talk to them, but I, I didn't get much. And, and you know, by the way, and I hadn't realized this, uh, he breathes through, uh, Robert Murray breathes through an oxygen tube? Yeah, I don't know the full story, what his illness is, but he is... Uh, severely ill, some respiratory problem, and, and he does depend on an oxygen tank uh, to survive. There's some irony there, some cruel irony there, it seems. Um, 
So uh, based on your extensive reporting here, as anything that uh, Murray and these others said about uh, the clean power plan, that it would devastate coal-fired electricity generation in America and the U.S. coal industry would impose massive costs on the power sector and on American consumers. Um, is any of that true? Because it seems that the utility companies are moving away from coal on their own. The clean power plan is not even in effect. I mean, I'm going to be I'm going to be honest. Thank you. The clean power plan is not going to help the coal industry. I mean, it it is specifically created to to make it so that we are we're more motivated to have cleaner energy, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And coal in- inherently is the dirtiest source of energy that we have. Mm-hmm. And so it, it likely would, if it were implemented, it, it would speed the decline of coal. But the thing is that the that coal is declining no matter what happens. Right. Um, and that's, that's a fact that most industry analysts will tell you. That's a fact that Bob Murray has said publicly. He didn't say it he didn't say it uh, this week at the hearing, but but he said it publicly. He says that Trump can't bring all these jobs back. Uh, Trump's own Department of Energy released a study just a few months ago that said that the that coal's decline right now is mostly because of cheap and abundant natural gas from fracking, it, and only just a little bit from environmental regulation. Obviously, environmental regulation has something to do with it. If it's a dirty energy source and mm-hmm. you're not allowed for it to be dirty, then it becomes more costly to clean it up. So it becomes more expensive. Um, if there were no environmental regulation, maybe it, maybe it wouldn't be declining so much, but also it probably would. Did you get the sense from the people you spoke to, uh, Emily, that uh, the, the people in the coal industry, the miners and so forth, do they understand that? Do they understand that their industry is... Uh, dying slowly, but it's uh, actually not all that slowly. It's, it's dying fairly quickly, and that that is going to happen almost no matter what uh, Donald Trump or Scott Pruitt uh, uh, do here. What, do, do they get it? Do they know that uh, there's not really a war on coal, or, or do they buy into that? Oh, I mean, they completely buy into it, and that um, that was what I think is sort of the whole the tragedy of the whole thing, because obviously they accept that there has been declines in the industry, but uh, at least, you know, the miners that I spoke to and just the average coal-supporting people in West Virginia that I spoke to completely attribute it to Obama-era regulations um, and completely believe what they're being told by coal executives and Republican politicians that once this regulation is gone, Everything is going to be okay, mm-hmm. and and their industry is going to thrive again, you know, in a way that that it used to, and that to me is, I don't I don't blame obviously miners or average West Virginians for thinking this. Mm-hmm. It's it's the hypocrisy of these executives and these politicians who go in front of the miners and tell them that everything is going to be okay when in other settings they well admit. The, coal decline, the, the decline of coal is happening no matter what. Um, and in doing so, you know, people who believe that are putting their faith uh, in something that's not going to work out for them. They're going to put their money behind it. They're going to put their livelihoods behind it. Um, and as the coal executives prepare for the decline of their industry and they start investing elsewhere, the, they are not giving average people who work in the industry the same luxury. 
Do, and so your your sense is the the Republican officials, the coal industry themselves, the, the they understand what's going on. They know they are lying to these to these people. I mean, I don't know what they know. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know their their um, inter, internal intentions, really. Mm-hmm. But that's that's how it appears. Um, it appears that they say one thing one place and one thing another. Yeah. Um, that's how it appears to me, and um, and I totally get why why miners and other people would would buy into that, especially since I think miners rightly feel like they're demonized for doing you know work that has historically powered mm-hmm. our country. I mean, I spoke to one miner who looked me in the eyes and said, "I'm tired of being called a murderer," mm. um, and he he's not he's not a murderer, right? No, he's not him. No, it's it's not him. It's it's not him. Might <laughs> might be Robert Murray. Uh, might be uh, the the folks who run this industry who know what's going on. Speaking of which, before I let you go, Emily, um, X Mine executive uh, and now X Con former Massey Energy CEO Don Blankenship. Uh, who was just out of jail. Uh, I think last May he got out. Uh, He was uh, convicted of conspiring to violate mine safety laws. He served a year in prison after the... uh uh, the uh, Massey Energy's Upper Big Branch mine disaster that killed 29 people back in 2010. He uh, he's now out of prison and he's now uh, talking about running against um, Senator Democratic Senator Joe Manchin in West Virginia. Boy, tough to pick sides on this one, Emily. But uh, <laughs> any thoughts on this Blankenship running against uh, Manchin? Is this for real? Well, he'll have to defeat uh, a few people in the Republican primary if, if he wants to be the nominee, and, and one of those people is West Virginia's uh, Attorney General. And West Virginia's Attorney General, um, is he is the architect of the lawsuit that stayed the Clean Power Plan. Mm. So I think if anyone has a history of doing things that are you know, positive for pro-coal people, uh, he, he's, got, he's got some competition there, Blankenship does. But also, I mean, my first thought was, isn't Blankenship confined to Nevada? Doesn't he live in Nevada? Isn't he not allowed to leave Nevada because he's on probation? Mm. And indeed, <laughs> I mean, he won't be able to, he, unless he gets a court order, he won't be able to campaign in West Virginia. He, he doesn't, his probation doesn't end until two days after the Republican primary. So <laughs> that'll be interesting. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, well, there's a lot of things that don't seem to disqualify you anymore for running in uh, a Republican election. So who knows? Uh, Emily Atkin, (laughs) really appreciate you joining us here today uh, from coal country, from West Virginia. uh, Safe travels back. uh, And I'll point folks to your uh, to your good work on all of this at newrepublic.com, where you've been uh, covering uh, uh, the hell out of this over the last couple of days. And I would also recommend that people check out your delightful Twitter feed uh, on Twitter, which is, uh, it's hard to say on the radio here, it's M or we, E-M-O-R-W-E-E. Do I have that right? You do. It's an old one. I I never changed it for some reason. Well, because radio is dying too, so I understand. Uh, (laughs) Emily, Emily, (laughs) uh, thanks a lot for joining us. Uh, Hope to talk to you again soon. Yeah, you too. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks. Okay, a quick break, and we're back with uh, with Desi Doyen in the Green News Report. But uh, Des, in truth, uh, I know you've been following these hearings as well. Uh, this seems like just a it's just a show hearing. 
in yeah. truth, I, so that they can. Yeah, go ahead. They're going to go ahead and do what they're going to do yeah. anyway. The Trump administration is dead set on uh, on repealing the clean power plan. Scott yeah. Pruitt is not serving Americans. He is serving the fossil fuel industry, which he has been for his entire career. And I think that this uh, that these for that this forum is to for no other reason than so they can say uh, when this is challenged in court, hey, look, we did our due diligence. We held hearings. The word show trial uh, comes to yeah, mind. Yeah, we heard the American people and they hate clean the clean clean power plan they want us to kill it just look at this streaming video here right except for the millions of comments the public comments that show support for the clean power plan overwhelmingly but again this goes to court and we'll see how well the judiciary does in protecting the american people. oh donald trump's judiciary Mm. i'm sure that will go well all right quick break and we're back with the green news report right after this i'm brad friedman don't go away Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast, both brought to you without corporate or political influence, because we rely on you to help keep us completely independent. Please drop by bradblog.com donate today and help us stay on your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com donate. You'll thank yourself later. I'll thank you now. Yep, you will. <laughs> Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Uh, oh, hey, Des, I was uh, over at iTunes and I saw, uh, let's see, some uh, a review that someone had left for the Green News Report. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, and all good, by the way. There's Yay. like uh, All the reviews are five-star reviews. Nice. Thanks to those of you who stopped by uh, iTunes to give good reviews, whether it's to Bradcast or the Green News Report. It helps other people uh, find our shows as well. Uh, but Chuck Flies said a few weeks ago um, about the Green News Report, have been right for years. Ah. They called it. I've listened for years now, and they called it. <laughs> well, great. Thanks, Chuck. Thanks for listening. Thanks for noticing. We yes. try. Well, yeah. Thanks for uh, noticing that we, we did call it. So that's the good news. We But the bad news is... We called it, yeah. <laughs> and uh, things are pretty awful right now. Uh, that said, Green News Report is uh, perhaps the brightest spot of today's show. So let's get to it, our latest GNR. The danger zone around the Mount Agung volcano is expanding rapidly. On the bright side, though, Bali's volcano eruption could temporarily lower global temperatures. A recent report says hydraulic fracturing, or fracking, is likely responsible for a dramatic uptick in Texas earthquakes. New study finds drilling wakes up sleeping earthquake faults. UN treaty curbing HFCs comes into force, plus... This is really just the beginning. Elon Musk makes good on his battery bet for South Australia. All of that good making and more straight ahead. From bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. We gotta give Trump credit when he deserves it. He pulled out of the Paris Agreement. And I think he should get credit for that because he said he was going to pull out, and then he did, and that's a refreshing quality to me. Yes, it's come to that. We're working blue. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, I guess we interrupt this Green News Report for 
Another volcano? <laughs> yes, yes we do. The ongoing eruption of the Mount Agung volcano on the island of Bali, Indonesia's top tourist destination, has forced the closure of its airport and the evacuation of more than 100,000 people, but it could also have a potential climate impact. Researchers at climate action group Carbon Brief say that if a large eruption spews particles into the upper atmosphere, it could have a cooling effect on the climate by slightly shading the sun's rays. But that would be only temporarily. Yeah, I think you're digging really, really deep to find some good news in an otherwise terrible world. Yeah, because 2017 is currently on track to be the second or third hottest year on record, according to both NOAA and NASA. So bring on the volcanoes. Well, yeah. Here in the U.S., yet another study links the fracking industry to the 600% increase in earthquakes in Texas. Southern Methodist University researchers analyzing deep geologic faults in Texas found that they were dormant with no earthquake activity for 300 million years. Until, until the fracking boom in the state. The researchers found, quote, no other explanation for the spike in Texas earthquakes except for human activity. The state has not officially accepted any link between earthquakes and the lucrative fracking industry. No, of course they haven't. Some good news for the climate. A global United Nations treaty to reduce the use of hydrofluorocarbons, or HFCs, has now come into force with the signature of Sweden meeting the threshold to trigger activation. HFCs, used primarily in refrigeration and air conditioning, are small but very potent greenhouse gases. The Kigali Amendment to the Montreal Protocol means that starting in 2019, developed countries must begin limiting their use of HFCs by 10 percent, with developing countries like China and India following suit starting in 2024. Will Donald Trump be able to pull out of this one? No, he will not. And luckily, it looks like the U.S. Senate will ratify this particular amendment because... The chemical industry is already behind it. Well, there you go. Some good news and bad news for U.S. greenhouse gas emissions. For the first time since the 1970s, emissions from transportation have overtaken emissions from electricity generation as the nation's top source of greenhouse gases. Now, has transportation overtaken uh, electricity or has electricity undertaken uh, (laughs) transportation, so to speak, because we have cleaner electric uh, generation now. That's exactly it. I got it right? Yes, you have. The good news means that our electric grid is getting cleaner. That transition away from coal for electricity generation toward natural gas, wind, and solar is succeeding as intended in lowering emissions. But the bad news is that we are not doing very well at controlling carbon emissions from the nation's cars and trucks, which are rising again due in part to low gas prices. But innovation in electric vehicle battery technology is moving quickly and may put a dent in that. Battery tech company Fisker just filed patents on a new solid-state electric car battery that they say will have a 500-mile range and they claim will be able to go from zero to fully charged in just one minute. Wait, seriously? It will charge in one minute? That's what they say. That's what they say? I'm dubious. Finally, good news for South Australia. Tesla founder and CEO Elon Musk has made good on his bet to build the world's largest battery farm for South Australia within 100 days or it would be free. It's now 45 days ahead of schedule. Tesla's battery installation is now up and running, connected to a French-owned wind farm. It is undergoing testing before going live to back up South Australia's electric grid. At the contract signing back in September, Musk called it proof that the future is in renewables. This is really just the beginning, but 
I think what this serves as is, is a great example to the rest of the world of what can be done. Well, it can be done, and he did it. And this was after South Australia was having all of these problems with blackouts. Uh, will they continue to have them now? That remains to be seen. We'll keep watching for much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today. Check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find us, follow us, and share us worldwide, please, on your Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyne. And this has been your Green News Report. I come from a land on a Thank you very much, Desi Doyen. Well, you know, we try to bring the bright spots when a little we can. Bit, a little bit of good news there at yeah. the end. And just as I was feeling better, just as I was feeling less dirty, uh, less like I needed a shower, uh, apparently this came in uh, while I was speaking with Emily Atkin. U.S. Ambassador Nikki Haley says that uh, North Korea's ballistic missile launch, quote, brings us closer to war that the U.S. does not seek. She's the U.S. U.N. ambassador. She told an emergency meeting of the U.N. Security Council on Wednesday that if war comes as a result of further acts of aggression, if war comes, as if it just comes on its own. It's magic. You know, it does its own. It's its own. It comes uh, from uh, acts of aggression, like these uh, test firing these missiles. Um, She said that uh, the, the, the latest launch, if that happens, quote, make no mistake, the North Korean regime will be utter destroyed, unquote. Oh, boy. Haley says the Trump administration warned North Korea that its future is in the hands of its leader and leaders, and the, uh, the choice was theirs. So uh, that's where we are, just as I was feeling slightly better. Uh, but uh, we'll feel even more better tomorrow. <laughs> How's that? Uh, we'll try, you know. Hey. My, uh, my thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to my guest today, Emily Atkin of New Republic, and to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. It is always appreciated. You can download... Uh, This show or any other anytime for free at bradblog.com or at your favorite podcast site. You can drop me email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am simply the Brad Blog. And as ever, my thanks to those of you who stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help us continue to do what we try to do every day over your public airwaves. All right, that's it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.